This is the Cine Snob Podcast. Welcome to episode 153 of the Cine Snob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Cody, we uh, talked about this a little bit last week, but uh, this past Monday, you and I and a few of uh, uh, friends of mine that I've known for a while went to uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 Live. Yeah, we did. It's uh, my second time, I think both of our second times seeing the show, a mm-hmm. fairly significantly different show this time. Yes. Um, this is the final tour for whatever that's worth with uh, Joel Hodgson mm-hmm. uh, playing Joel. Uh, this was... Um, the, yeah. Oh, I'm, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, it was something called like the Great Cheesy Movie Circus mm-hmm. was the subtitle, and it was... Um, the film we saw was No Retreat, No Surrender, which is one of those weird subgenre of uh, 1980s terrible karate movies. <laughs> yes. Um, which was, a, it was great uh, watching the riffing. But what did you think of the show overall as your second time going and, and, and sort of a novice Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan? Yeah, you know, I feel like, um, I, I, I don't think it was as good of a show as the one that was touring last time with Jonah and... Um, and uh and and I think there's that's because of a couple reasons not that I don't think that it was a good show because I think it was I think that um they experimented with having puppeteers on stage like wearing all black um I forget mm-hmm. the term for it um uh I don't know I think it's a Japanese term it is a Japanese is. I just can't remember what it is and I don't want to be offensive by guessing so um and then there's uh and then it's also it had kind of like a like a void black background that everything kind of faded into and i thought that that was fine i thought it was it it worked um it and i think that the jokes at the expense of like the puppeteers were a good touch of sort mm-hmm. of like fourth wall breaking um type stuff um i think the one thing that it didn't quite get as as right as and what i really liked about the um because the, the 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 one with Jonah was a huge production where they actually had kind of like the set, um, a set there, and then they had like a projection. They the the guys would go or Jonah and the and the robots would go behind the stage and be like projected at the bottom of the screen, just like you would see in the TV show. Mm-hmm, um, so which I, th- I I really liked that effect, and I kind of this one had Joel and the robots on stage, and I don't think that that added anything. Um, especially when occasionally they would do a visual joke and you had to kind of divert your attention. I think that was just distracting. Um, and then of course, you know, the in-between stuff, um, again, funny at parts, some parts dive into the mythology of it all, which as we've talked about both on the TV show and the live show, just don't really matter very much, uh, in the grand scheme of things. Um, that being said, I thought the riff itself was as sharp as ever you know i thought it was a mm-hmm. great movie to to make fun of just because it's it's such a it's such a terrible movie and um and i think it it did the things that i like in in these in these things which is you know build running gags and um and it really well and and just kind of um it, it just felt sharp it felt like it was a, a you know a well-written um, and good pay, good paste, and uh, I, I really had fun with um, just the actual riff itself. Yeah, uh, and, you know, we've talked about this, like you mentioned, several times. Uh, this does lean pretty heavily on the mythology, and I, I'm just wondering how much... Um, we've probably talked about this, but I'd like to talk about it after having seen this show, which seems to, to really 
Joel especially seems to really treasure the mythology of the characters. How much do you think that matters at all? Did you care at all? No. Uh, okay. Because no. I, I, I've loved this show for the better part of 30 years. And the notion that I've always had is that the characters were sort of coat hangers for jokes. You know, it doesn't, sure. it doesn't really matter what, you know, what the personalities are of the, the people, um, excuse me, of the characters from, from show to show because it was always different. You know, it was like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, you know, where all of a sudden something's different and it doesn't really matter because it's but at, funny. But at the same time, if you're buying into the characters of the robots too, the people who are doing the robots are changing. So, yeah. so like even attachment to a particular person, you know, doing the voice or the sense of humor of, of the character or the style, the way the character is done is going to change based on whoever's portraying the character at any point in time. So I, it's almost weird. And, and, and even having the people who um, who are on the show as like the human characters change as well. It just it just feels like it does, like none of that really matters anything. It's almost like filler to get it to an hour and a half or whatever. Yeah. And I don't really know that it needs it. I mean, it you know, there's. There's some interstitials that were funny. I can't think of – there was one that was really funny that I can't recall off the top of my head. Nothing that was funnier than the movie itself, though. Right. Um, I, it just felt like a lot of filler of stuff that I don't really care about. You yeah, know, the, uh, the one that was fine, I think, was when when Crow had the stuff like coming out of him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like trying to lift uh, a bunch of weight and he's like basically shitting himself. <laughs> yeah, but shitting himself with like MST3K merch and stuff. Yeah, it was funny. Um, but uh, uh, like all the setup for – so there, there's a, a another woman who's on the in the cast now. Emily something is her character's name and I think her real name is Emily something also who's essentially set up to be the next host because mm-hmm. um, Joel is retiring. And I just don't get it because it doesn't really feel like something that can be passed down because it's not. <sighs> yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a zillion times before, but it, the, 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 the love for it is the, the people that you grew up watching or that you've gotten comfortable watching. You know, it doesn't – I don't know that you can just translate it because, like, I've – you know, they pl- they play those uh, on the Pluto TV, the Rift Tracks Presents. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either, like, Janet Varney and Cole uh, Strauss or those two British guys mm-hmm. uh, that do that. And I just can't – I can't do it. I've tried and I just can't because they're not the guy – they're not the people, you know. And I could get on board with Jonah Ray because I was familiar with him before. Um, and, you know, Joel this time is the bridge. But other than that, I don't know that I really care to see a Mystery Science Theater 3000 that's not at least featuring some of the people that used to be on it, you know? Right. Um, and it's weird to me because it seems like it's done on TV and they're going to keep touring, I guess. But I just don't know if it if it has a place anymore. Yeah, and I don't know how much of the fans are going to come to an unknown commodity. You know, at least with when Jonah was touring, they had the Netflix season, or if Joel's touring, they have years of history. Mm-hmm. But, you know, are the fans going to come out in large numbers to see um, Emily lead the way when there's no like TV show to back it up? So are you going to trust the brand enough to carry it on without, you know, someone who you recognize or have experience with yeah i have serious doubts about that too because this was like 
you know, this was obviously the draw of this was the the nostalgia of Joel seeing Joel one last time do this sort of riffing stuff. Um, I, I don't know that I care to see, and, and that's not anything against any of the performers at all. It's just, it's not the same thing. You know, I'm not going to, I don't want to go see a band, you know, you don't go see a band play the same songs, but then everybody's been replaced, you know? Right. Like it's just a cover band at that point. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I had a good time, but it, it made me kind of, uh, feel like this was the, the reckoning. Like this is finally it of this, um, Mystery Science Theater 3000 thing. You know, there's still riff tracks and other stuff that, you know, supplements it. And the, I'll watch reruns until the day I die. Hopefully that's not soon. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I was I, I was left a, a bit empty at the end of it. I, I had a good time, but at the end of it I thought, well, is this it? Is this it? Is this what it comes to? Is just kind of unknown people doing the thing that I loved? It's kind of like um, how uh, The Simpsons now is written by people that grew up with it. Right. And it's just not the same. Like, you just have this reverence for it, and you reference back to these things that you clearly weren't there for. You just remember. Which is weird Which is weird that they would go this direction and not, you know, if they're going to go this way and, like, franchise it out, essentially, with the live show. Again, I don't know why you don't use Jonah for that, who I think you can at least, like... I think I think Jonah's a, a personable enough person, and he's got two seasons under his belt, and he's got a tour under his belt. To bring in totally new people on this last tour and pass the mantle over seems like a weird proposition. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, because I mean, I thought at that tour, I thought that Jonah was super entertaining. I thought he was a like really, really good. Yeah, and I don't know who the the bot voice. If the bot voices were the same this time as they were in the last tour, I really don't remember. Mm-hmm. But I, I liked them. I liked their their performances. I don't think it was um, as good as the last time we saw them because I think they're with the, doing a lot of the puppeteering. It feels like it might take some out of them. Uh, but you know, the the, the woman Emily was was fine. She riffed for like two minutes. If you ever noticed, yeah, <laughs> she, she drops in and then uh, they they you know switch out, but. Yeah, I, I just don't know that it, that it's something you can, you know, have a, a franchise of. You can keep going with, with new people, and I, I just don't, I don't feel like that's the right thing. And I feel like that's Joel's attitude, and that people will come keep come seeing keep coming to see the robots and stuff. But I just don't think that's true. I'm with you. I, I have my doubts as as to whether that'll work too, um, because if that was the case, then you would think that you know Rift Tracks would sell out a bunch of places too, because it's got three people who, you know, were, I mean, how many years did those three do on the show? I mean, they did, they several. were, to, they were together, those three for three years on right. the show. But, um, but like even the, that feels like a niche thing. And of course it doesn't have like the robot element of it either, but you know, it's, it it's, doesn't have the robot element. It doesn't have the name, but it does have, you know, those guys have been doing it now for, you know, 10 years plus as riff tracks, plus the three years they did as on MST three K together. And then like Mike Nelson and Kevin Murphy were there since almost the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, these guys have been living it forever. And now but, it's, you know, and now it's splintered three ways, essentially with, with the, uh, with the mad stuff too. Right. So it's, I mean, it's the, at this point, 
the Mads, I, I'm not. I, they they uh, collaborate with Rift Tracks quite a bit. Oh, do they? But uh, I haven't seen. They tour a lot. Rift Tracks doesn't tour. They do the live shows that are the Fathom events. Um, the Mads tour, and I, I think they're really funny. Um, I'm curious if they'll ever release, like, if they'll ever sort of team up together and and just release VODs of of their stuff because I'd like to see more of the Mads, particularly. But yeah, I, from from what I can understand, and our my friend Pete, the one of the guys that was with us at the show. He's like, so he, he asked me, he's like, so all these other guys, they all work together and Joel's here by himself. So is Joel the asshole? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe like, I know there was a bunch of pay disputes when the shout factory bought MST3K, but that's since been resolved. But it is weird that no one seems to be really involved anymore. I know they're all doing their own thing, but no one that no one came back aboard except for Joel feels strange for sure. For sure. Although, outside of like that reunion show they did, right? Yeah. Well, before that, there was Cinematic Titanic. I don't know if you and I have talked oh, about that before. Briefly, but I don't. I, I never. I was not in, involved with that. And it was, that was before um, I got into it because it was Joel, uh, Frank, Trace, Mary Jo, and then this guy J. Elvis Weinstein, who was like in the first season of the show, who. That I don't like the first season. It's it's hard to watch because it hasn't quite hit the format yet. And they did some tours. I saw them in Austin here in Austin like 10, 11 years ago, something like that. And they released some VODs, but they all kind of went their separate ways. Supposedly, that, from what I understand, either either that or um, the film crew. Do you know what the film crew is? No. It was like the Rift Tracks guys before they were Rift Tracks. Like it had, like they were, they had premises, and they were supposed. To, one of them, and I can't remember which one, was supposed to be the idea was a Mystery Science Theater three thousand reboot, but they couldn't get the rights. So I, they all had premises. I just, I just sort of feel like if this is going to continue, it just needs to go the Rift Tracks route and just focus on that, because yeah. I think anything else when you're when you're hot swapping you know, characters and <laughs> actors and, uh, in, in story, like it just, it just doesn't matter. It just, it just, it truly is a vessel to like break up the movie. And, yeah. and, and, and so you're not just watching the movie all at once. Well, I Which mean, it was again, like commercial breaks. I mean, it was mm-hmm. designed for is commercial breaks, but all right. I think we talked enough about this. Anything else before we move on? Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have the invisible man. He has figured out a way to be invisible. You know exactly what I'm talking about. He's not dead. I just can't see him. Okay. Now, I agree with you. Adrian was brilliant. But it wasn't because of anything he invented. It was how he got in people's heads. You think about it. He came up with the perfect way to torture you even in death. Only thing more brilliant than inventing something that makes you invisible is not inventing it, but making you think he did. He's not dead, Tom. Now, to be clear, this is not part of the dark universe, as was teased several years ago. Right. When the Mummy uh, remake was released. Who was supposed to play the Invisible Man? Was it Johnny Depp? I believe that is correct. 
Yeah. So this is a um, sort of a lower budget uh, thriller remake of The Invisible Man. It's still a, technically a universal monster because it's a universal film, but it's 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 uh, now a sort of domestic thriller, like psychological thriller. Uh, and again, not told from the point of view of The Invisible Man, but one of his victims. Anyway, what did you think of The Invisible Man, Cody? Well, I mean, uh, I think they probably dodged a bullet going the Johnny Depp route for so many different <laughs> reasons, um, you know. And and it's and it is funny to look back on how the Dark Universe <laughs> came and went with one movie. <clears throat> like to think that they wasted that graphic on uh, on just one movie, but um, um, so you know, I I think that. Um, the movie does a really good job of uh, sort of, I, I guess, set, setting up something that's a little bit different. And I feel like it's, and you didn't see the movie, but I, I feel like it's a kind of like a spirit, like spiritually thematic to the lodge in a lot of ways. As I feel, it, it, it's it's a horror movie where gaslighting is um, a major component of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um and I feel like that is a, a super um timely uh topic to to be covered, um, especially these days. And um and I and I feel like it sets that up in a really interesting way. And I think that the first half of the movie um is is really good in the way that it kind of where you see the premise and then you see what's happening to her and then you see what's happening to those around her when, you know, she you know, she starts to believe that she's, or she, she, you know, either she's seeing things and she's crazy or she's, you know, this is actually happening and no one's believing her, which is also a timely, you know, kind of commentary. Um, and then I feel like somewhere near <clears throat> maybe halfway or two thirds into the movie, um, th- that takes a back seat and it sort of falls into the tropes of the genre a little bit. And I think it just becomes a normal, like, suspense slash horror movie. And mm-hmm. that movie is far less interesting than the one it was building. And um, and I think most notably, um, it, it, it falls into some traps of some massive logic leaps that I was never <laughs> truly on board with. There's just a lot that happens in that third act where it just doesn't it, – it just doesn't check out. Um there's a lot of characters doing questionable things. There's a lot of things that are conveniently unexplained. Um, it, it, there's even, you know, one of the most, sh- uh, two of the biggest shocking moments of the film are basically the same exact thing, which I think was a little bit lazy. And I think maybe lazy is the is the operative word here. Is I think that the the writing of the movie, because of the logic holes, because of the repetitive nature of it, and because it sort of squanders what i feel is a pretty good setup um ultimately just feels a little bit lazy to me you know i i I, um can agree with you on certain points but not on others i thought this was it was a a, a very interesting way to retell this and it's it uh seemed to have a a little bit of a hard time uh bridging the gap between the uh the idea that this guy is like that that we live in a normal world and then all of a sudden there's a guy who created a t- the technology to become invisible with this crazy suit and um uh, i don't feel like it ever really kind of jumps to that uh that world fully like it, it still kind of hedges its bets and it still kind of relies on 
the idea that no one would believe this. Um, and, and that's obviously that's the point of the movie. It's kind of an allegory for domestic violence and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, you know, that Elizabeth Moss's character is says she's being terrorized by uh, her ex-boyfriend, who, if you've seen the trailer, the setup is that he's dead. Um, it never really uh, it never really. Uh, quite, you know, you we know right away that that she's actually being terrorized by this guy. So it's different than a normal thriller, I think, in that regard. Mm-hmm. But the 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 way that people conveniently don't believe her it gets a little taxing from time to time. Um, there's especially there's one sequence um, in the film with uh, uh, regarding a, an email. You know uh-huh. what I'm talking about? Yep. That seems preposterous. Mm-hmm. It seems like the the conclusion it it gets to, and I don't really know that it, that conclusion it it jumps to ever really pays off. But it jumps to this conclusion where a normal person would have picked up the phone, you know, uh, and been like, hey, what the fuck? But the movie conveniently forgets that. And there's also the the the, the time where the the time spent where, you know, she's alleging that this guy is alive to these people and that he figured out this way to become invisible. Yes, I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> Why don't you just go to his house and check it out? Right. But also like, beyond beyond that, the conclusion of the movie doesn't really make a lot of sense. When oh, you, you mean like the very the very final thing? Yes. Because I, I liked that because it was it was like spookily spookily ambiguous. I don't know if that's that the right way, but I, I mean yeah. I guess, but also like the like if you believe the the pattern of events that happened and what this woman has been saying for, throughout the duration of the movie, it doesn't make sense that 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 she would wind up in the place she's at at the end of the movie. Oh I'm yeah, I, I I get that. I get what you're saying. Um, it just to me, it, I'm just like, oh, okay. So how is how is this happening? And everyone's just going to be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm uh, uh yeah, I'm I'm very um um. You know, the logic of it, again, doesn't make sense, but I, I was on board with it. You know, I don't it's easy to pick apart because it, there is some kind of stuff that you have to believe that, you know, no one would have a normal human conversation at this point uh, that people have to be, you know, talked around in vagaries and, and no one believes like, you know, I don't know about you, but if someone said like, like there was an invisible person in my house, I would really try to find that person. I mean, right, I, yeah. I, I'd, I'd spend some time, you know, hey, I wouldn't just call her a fucking nut and then leave. I mean, be like, all right, let's see if we can figure this out, you know, uh, <laughs> but maybe that's just me. It, you know, it just feels like no one in this film had ever seen a movie before, you know, um, and that's part of the thing that comes with these these films as we as you take these things that are older ideas and, and repurpose them for for modern times. It's like, you know, you you lose that element of it. That, that these people would have grown up with pop culture where someone could become invisible. Because uh, presumably there's been no other Invisible Man movies or or TV shows or anything like that in this universe. I don't know. It, it, I'm getting a little esoteric here. But uh, again, it's there's some logical holes, but ultimately I was on board with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a different take on it, which I really appreciated. Um, it didn't feel cheap or jumpy, and I think that was helpful 
because we knew right away because you go in knowing that that this guy is invisible. So uh, there's no jump scares that come like that, that feel cheap. I don't know if there's any jump scares at all now that I think about it. Not but really. nothing nothing really feels cheap and unearned in the scare in the you know the the scare department and I I, I appreciate that because it's that's a rare commodity these days. Yeah. Excuse me. And I and I understand that and I think that it was it was it was executed well. It felt like um you know it, it did not have to rely on jump scares. There's some genuinely kind of unsettling stuff. Um and again I like the premise but I just as soon as it as soon as um there's a scene that happens at I guess a police station or a or a hospital one of those two it's like a psych it's a yeah like, a psychiatric ward uh, yeah like a psychiatric prison everything that point forward felt a bit generic to me and I could never and I, and that's when like the 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 uh, dots were not connecting for me <laughs> um and and I and I really could not ever really overcome that. Yeah, that scene should kind of make the the final scene impossible, right? Because you you figure like there'd be a, a thousand federal agents pouring over this location that they're at, but whatever. Uh, I, I ultimately liked it, but what what's your grade for the Invisible Man? I give it a C plus. I cannot recommend the movie. I understand why people like it. I just it's for me. I just it just felt like an opportunity squandered. I'm giving it a solid B. I liked it quite a bit, uh, nice. quite a bit more than I thought. I think it's uh, there is some 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 dumb stuff, and there is some stuff that you know is conveniently people are conveniently dumb. But I think overall it, it was was satisfying. All right, let's move on to our next movie, Verotica. I've come to get mistakes. Now, this movie, if you don't know, has uh, a notorious reputation already, Cody. Yes. Uh, you and I have talked about this before. This is a horror movie written and directed by Glenn Danzig. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, uh, heavy uh, horror punk icon, lead singer of The Misfits, um, of Danzig, obviously, Um by all accounts, a kind of super intense guy doesn't seem to take himself, doesn't seem to have a sense of humor about himself. I think that's accurate, yes. Um, this is based on, apparently, comic books from a comic book company that he owns called you, Verotic. That's right, which is a mix between violence and erotica. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this film premiered, uh, I don't remember where, Cinepocalypse? Yeah, I think it was at, uh, Chicago. Yeah, um, last summer, and immediately, uh, word spread online that this was laughably ridiculous. 
and uh, in the vein of the room, and that that Danzig was there with like two cops beside him for some reason, uh, and people he he commented that people were laughing where he was they weren't supposed to laugh. So by all accounts, this was a serious stab at a film by Glenn Danzig, which I believe I don't I don't I haven't looked this up, but I don't think he's directed anything else. Um, at least this is probably the first film and, and, uh, you know, judging by the quality of it, maybe the first film he's ever seen. I don't know. Um, (laughs) but you, we've been wanting to talk about this for a while and we were finally able to. So Cody, what did you think of Veronica? Well, um, I, I think (laughs) that I was, you know, this all kind of became a point of excitement when there was an article written in a vulture about how, you know, Danzig Mm -hmm. may have created you know the best horror comedy of the decade or whatever um and you know it's one of those things where you watch it similarly to how you watch the room and you realize quickly i think that this was a serious attempt like this was there's no sense of humor to it um which to me watching these things is utterly fascinating um (laughs) and I think that uh, it's it's so it's told in three different stories, um, and I think if you're gonna watch this movie at all, watch the first story because it is batshit insane, um, <laughs> in in a very fun fun way, um, and and I and it's it's a it's it's absurd in its concept. <clears throat> it's got some of the worst acting I've ever seen. Um, without question um and i don't know why everyone has an accent that feels like a fake accent they're supposed to be in paris right and so everyone's doing a french something that they think resembles a french accent um the main woman who i assume is a porn actress (laughs) i don't know i don't know (laughs) but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna gauge by context clues that that she's a porn actress um is just so 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 terrible some of the worst line readings you'll ever see in in your life um and it's in it's in in, in like it's got terrible cgi i don't i don't do we even explain the plot like so, the general so, the most general plot of, of this story well so i mean look say what you will about the room <laughs> and there's a lot to be said about the room it at least has some like some cinematic knowledge like there's because of the the staff that was on hand like a professional dp and all this stuff there's some you know it, the the story is nonsensical garbage but it at least looks like a movie this right does not this is like no i mean it's so terribly filmed and sh- and uh, edited, I mean, it, it's like the editing is truly atrocious. Like, I, like every single scene ends with a fade to black and then starts up. I again. mean, it feels like it feels like a high school film. It feels like something that that friends of mine would have made in high school in 1995. Um, so, so it's a it's an anthology film, um, and it's I, I don't know what the setup. Means there's like a, a setup of uh, 
like this woman who's narrating it. That's her name is Caden. Her real name is Caden Cross. Well, I don't know if it's her real name, but that's her porn name. She's a porn actress, obviously. Um, and she's sort of like telling this sto- these stories, like a narrator type thing, like a Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, type yeah, thing. yeah. But I mean, it's like it's all so shitty looking. Like she's in like a shitty red velvet cloak. So, so the insanity starts pretty quickly. This first. Um, the first thing, the first segment is called something like the albino spider. I think that's right. Yeah, and, and I just want to, I just want to describe the setup. The setup th- here is <laughs> so there's, it's ostensibly Paris, whatever. There's the the woman, <laughs> Dajet, and the scene opens with her basically blowing a guy mm-hmm. on a couch, and that he wants to uh, take her shirt off. Like, see her boobs. She's resisting, uh, telling him no, no, no. Finally, he takes her shirt off, and instead of nipples, she has eyeballs. <laughs> and, like, not even, like, terribly, terribly applied, <laughs> off-the-shelf, like, <laughs> Halloween costume, eyeballs over her nipples. Oh, and, and by the way, meanwhile, the whole time... um this whole setup is going on. Like you're, it's constantly cutting back to a flower mm-hmm. where there's a CGI spider, a white spider yes. crawling up uh, the side of the flower. So the guy she was having sex with, he sees her eyeball nipples. <laughs> Do you remember the line that said, <laughs> I don't. What was the line? I think I believe the line is your tits are looking right at me. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so, so she starts crying, and I believe crying from her eye, her her tit yes, eyes. That's correct. <laughs> somehow, one of those teardrops falls on the spider, who was like on the table beside her. I don't know what the fuck, but then it causes the spider to mutate into like this man spider. Like, he's just a guy, like this big built guy with four fake <laughs> arms and his real arms, all white. Uh, and then he goes and kills people. He's, he breaks necks. He breaks necks, but he, like, kills hookers and shit. I don't, I don't even know what happens after that. Like, I, I don't, like, he just goes and kills people, and she's sad because and he's she, killing people. I think it happens during her dreams oh, yeah, or something yeah. like she that. Oh, yeah, she sleeps. When she, when she goes to sleep, the horny death spider starts uh, killing people, um, but not before <laughs> making sexual requests from them that don't seem entirely consensual. Uh, and Meanwhile, uh, every, it's supposed to be Paris. So everybody's talking like, oh, mon ami, the spider is coming to... <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, it's that bad. It's that and like, bad. And like the screenplay is bad. And then I, I messaged you about... Like, there's a scene where cops show up to kill the spider, and and a cop has a battering ram, and he, and he, I mean, it's so fucking funny. He just, like, barely taps the door, like, three times. Like, he's not even doing it hard. Yeah. Like, you, you made the comment that they, they probably only had one door, so they couldn't. <laughs> they couldn't break it in one take. I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's hilarious. I mean, it's really, really funny. Like, it's, um, that segment probably has the most plot. Yeah, but it's bafflingly like it doesn't really m- make any sense. I mean, obviously it doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't have a real resolution. 
other than everyone dies. Um, yeah, I mean, and I'm just going to send you because I sent you another piece of dialogue. <laughs> that I, th- at one point, the woman goes into a porno theater. Yes, yes. And says in a broken French accent, what is this film? It is only people making sex. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. It is, uh, it is, it is astonishing. And then, like, it, she, I can't, remind me, she falls asleep or something, and then, like, all the guys in the theater start groping her. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just gross, too. Yeah, no, it's (laughs) extremely grotesque. It's, it's nasty. Uh, and then, and then really, and and I, and the second and third stories, unfortunately, uh, I mean, unfortunately, in the sense that, you know, at least the first one is really fun to watch from a from just like a car crash perspective. But the second and third stories are just kind of like boring and horny, and like that's well, like the, the, that's really because the second one yeah. is about a stripper who steals faces, right? For what? Which at one point, at one point, strips to a Danzig song at a strip club. <laughs> that's I think that's the first true nudity in the film, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, Maybe because there's a lot of like skimpy, scantily clad women before. I mean the 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 boob eyeball girl is nude, but her nipples are covered up by fake eyeballs. Yes. But in the second one, it's about a stripper who steals faces. I don't really know what she does. She just sort of collects them. Yeah, nothing really happens. Um, but there is a guy in that. <laughs> I told you about this. There's a guy in that that section playing a cop who is acting his dick off. I mean, yeah. he is just—he is just eating this shit up. He's the one guy that's like—he—he reminds me of that guy that played uh, the warden in uh, Dolomite is my name, where he was just oh, like, yeah. "Oh, I found my niche. I'm the guy that plays like <laughs> evil white dudes." Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this—that's uh, the one that has uh, Courtney Stodden in it. You know who she is? No. She was like. Um, Fuck, what was she in? But she got married to that guy. Ah, fuck. Um, like when she was 16, married that guy who was in the Green Mile. Um, ah, I remember that. Oh, man. What is what is her deal? Um, anyway, she's been in some... That section, al- that section also has uh, wrestler X-Pac. Oh, it. yeah. You told you were like, well, this guy I loved. He plays a <laughs> bouncer. Uh, he's he's fine, too. He doesn't. He's okay. Um she was married to uh let's see what's this guy oh Doug Hutchinson who was oh, in the Green Mile um I think he was the he was Percy Wetmore in the Green Mile the guard oh the shit okay. guard yeah um they got married when she was like 16 I don't fucking know anyway um but like there's it's, the acting in that one is like sub porno like it's so bad, it wouldn't even fly in a porno. You'd be like, just fucking no. Like we're just replace this with fucking if if not. Um, the third one is supposed to be um, apparently some take on like uh, something like Count Countess Bathory. I don't remember. It's some old tale. Oh, I know what you're talking about. But yeah. uh, <laughs> that one, that one's the goriest and the and the horniest. And appears to have the most money spent on it. Yeah, it's the one. It's the one piece that feels like it has a budget. It's got actual sets. It's got real like um, horses are in it. Like yeah, horses. <laughs> uh, 
uh, and ultimately it go. It's just a a woman who keeps on like bathing in virgin blood, just over and over. That's and over literally again. all that happens in that fucking <laughs> segment. It just keeps doing the same thing like four times. Well, and 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 like for for like five to six minutes at a time, just like literally just rubbing blood on herself for like five minutes straight. There, there's a scene where she's in like this fountain. And uh, she, like, slices this, uh, one of the virgin's throats and, like, gets into this <laughs> corn syrup blood fountain. And the, the the dead virgin is there, topless. And that poor fucking girl has to sit there for, like, five minutes straight while this fucking scene goes on. Oh, my God. And imagine how long it took to film. Like, that's <laughs> that's five minutes of screen time that she's just hanging there. Not doing anything, just sitting there with her boobs out. While fucking Danzig, presumably dressed like you always see Danzig, <laughs> probably not in his sweats or anything, is telling this other actress to fucking rub her boobs and drink this corn syrup. I mean, it's fucking bonkers. It's it is it is an insane, insanely, it is insane and insanely horny. It's it's just in it like it's like it's total like male gaze. Total, like it's Dude, just it is like I mean for for real this feels like um are you familiar with the comic book character Vampirella? No. Look up you look on your computer and look up Vampirella and it was a huge thing in the 90s. Um and you'll see what I mean this like weird super sexualized horror shit that was a big kind of genre in the in the mid 90s because you know you couldn't go get porn everywhere you know mm-hmm. so these guys like um uh Boris Vallejo is an artist um who would do these like crazy red sonia paintings and stuff it's like this weird genre of really erotic horror that this seems to be like a time capsule from 1993 uh like this feels like something i would have you would have picked up like in the back of a comic book shop back then. Yeah, either that or it feels like if if like it it feels like a like a Cinemax movie. Well, I mean, it's it's not even that good. Like it there's there's at least <laughs> like I've seen Oh, by the way, everyone in that third segment has a terrible accent as well. Oh yeah, I don't even know what that's supposed to be. <laughs> like old English. I think um like uh I, I, I'm curious how much this cost for one thing. Cause like, you know, with the room, you can see the money on screen. Like you can see there was some real talent behind the people putting it together that weren't Tommy was so, um, you know, you can see that there's some skill there and, and decent things. This doesn't like, I don't know what, like I, I'm being serious. I don't know if Glenn Danzig's ever seen a movie before. <laughs> like this is the this is the kind of shit that's that a kid with a camcorder would have made in the nineties, like myself. Like this is the kind of shit. Like oh, you can get you can get girls to be naked. That's what it feels like. It feels like this just exploitative crap <laughs> that makes no fucking sense. Has yeah. no discernible plot. Like it's just a series of naked girls. Um. And, and like gory horror shit that looks fake as hell. Uh, and then like, a uh, uh, an attitude of, of 
like it's it's super like it's all super badass. I just don't I don't get it. I don't know how this happens. Like I mean I get I know how bad movies happen. I don't know how a bad movie comes out of one person like this. Right. Especially someone um, who's been in show business for years. I mean, he's a punk rock legend, Danzig is. Right. But but yeah. this is something this is like what the fuck, man? I don't know. I mean and I mean if you read the quotes from him at the Q&A at the at the that festival, you know, he was saying things like I don't know, I don't you guys are laughing at stuff that I wouldn't have have laughed at. And it's like how but how who is taking this seriously? Like who I don't know what audience is watching this and going like, "Ooh, yeah, this is this is like really effective horror." I mean, it's uh, the appeal here is very clear <laughs> what 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 he was trying to accomplish. Um, I mean, you look no further in the fact that the entire, again, it seems to be made up of almost exclusively porn actresses, like, like across the board. And, um, and I don't like other than, you know, like literally combining erotica and violence or horror, like it literally just mashes those two together without worrying about being cohesive or making sense or being well written. Like that, that the writing in in that second one, the second little vignette or whatever, is some of the most generic script writing you'll ever like. The dialogue itself is just cops like talking in the most generic. Po- like when the when the cop who uh, is actually acting goes backstage <laughs> at the strip club, he's he's literally talking like he's a nineteen forties detective. It's just so terrible. There, there's actually there was actually one good exchange in that part. Uh, when he goes backstage and the girl's like, there's naked girls back there. And he's like, there's naked girls out here. Like, I was like, oh, how'd that sneak in here? Like, that's a solid, <laughs> that's a solid little retort. Like, that's a solid little back and forth. Like, everything else was utter shit. Like, it makes no <laughs> sense. It's not how human beings would talk to one another. But that thing was, that was one tiny little good exchange. I mean, this is, this is, it's baffling to me how this happened. But. It happened, and we got to see it finally. What? All right. What's your grade for Veronica? How does one even assign a grade to this? Um, I'm gonna go. Let's let's okay. Let's let's do this. Let's split this into two. So, like, your grade for it as a film, and then your grade for it as a uh, ex- as an experience. Okay. As a as a film. D minus a gentleman's F. <laughs> uh, it it is so poorly, like I I I comment. I've posted a comment on because someone had on my Facebook had made a comment about me watching it, and I posted a comment of the the very first scene of the face one <laughs> where where it just literally like there's like a noise and a close up on the woman and then the next second it cuts to her just holding a face <laughs> and starting her line like there like there's no artistry to it at all and the the exchange is literally like what do you want i want your face no not you can't have my face and then she slices it off and is holding it and says should have given it to me when i asked <laughs> and, and like that that's the exchange that opens the segment um so yeah, I mean, as a, as a, as a film itself, a gentleman's f with a D minus. As an experience, dude, that first thirty minutes is fun as hell, <laughs> and uh, and I I almost think that you should watch that one and then turn it off, or watch that one and the second one, 
because the second one does have a little bit of fun, shitty nature to it. Um, but as an experience, like a B minus. I mean, I, I think it's worth watching just for the 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 utter shit show that it is. Yeah. Um, okay. As a film, I mean, it's an F. It's there's no clear there's no clear <laughs> F that that was ever made. I mean, this is not. This is not a, a, a stupid film that got away from a studio. This is like just someone who doesn't know what they're doing, which <laughs> yeah. is baffling to me. Um, as an experience, I mean, on my own, watching it alone, as I did, because my wife was sure as fuck not going to watch this shit. She knows better. But <laughs> as on my own, I think it's a solid B minus experience. It, it, it'd be best if it if it stayed the same level of insane as the first segment um with a group i gotta imagine this is an a an easy a experience (laughs) like because you can watch it like if you're watching this and like drinking you you're gonna watch the first part and it's you're gonna be lucid and you're gonna be like what the fuck and then as it gets a little more boring and rote you're just getting drunker so it's just gonna get more fun like you're just gonna start howling and and whatever at everything that happens I mean, it it truly it truly feels like this could have legit staying power as a midnight cult classic. Yeah, like I mean, it, like I mean, like legit, like so. If you want to, if you want a comparison to the room, I think it's apt. I mean, I, I truly think that this has like room potential of a film that just goes like an honest, earnest attempt that just by someone who clearly should not be there yeah i mean uh, to be to be 100 percent clear and fair to the room this is a way way worse movie than the room uh just in execution alone um not to not to mention the the plotting but it is available on vod which is how we watched it it's on google play and youtube it's uh for the low low price of 8.99 yeah, and have a the experience of a lifetime. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is again. Uh, I'm. I'd like to know more about this movie. This is the one. This is like where the disaster artist filled us all in on on how that hap- came to be. I'd just like to know, like, because this is this is a singular vision of Glenn Danzig, very clearly. And I just want to oh, yeah. know, like, how someone who's been in the business, who's I mean, he's been in the music business. For what that's worth, for so long, turn out something like this because this is this is amateur shit. Like this is yeah. real amateur shit. But regardless, it's um, <laughs> again F for me, A with a group. So you what you gave it a B minus for uh, experience. B minus, yeah, B minus for experience. General- uh, because I mean, in, because look, this the third segment is boring as hell. So you know I can't. You know, like maybe under the under the influence of alcohol or with some other people, that third one would have been like a little bit more of a mind fuck. But as it stands now, I, I, I just watching it, you know, stone cold sober at one o'clock in the afternoon, it, it was it was just really not. I was like, okay, we I'm I'm kind of done here. Yeah. All right, that's gonna do it for this week. Next week, we've got a lot of stuff coming out, Cody. Um, I believe onward. Yep, onward. With, uh, with a surprise to me, a, a Simpsons short. Before the yeah, pro- that'll that'll be interesting. I, I don't typically see Simpsons as super family friendly. Well, these are um, uh, Maggie Simpson. The shorts they've released theatrically. Well, this will be the second one. They're uh, Maggie focused because they had mm. one in front of uh, one of the Ice Age movies a few years ago too. Uh, it was like Maggie's Day Out or something like that. 
Um, and does the way back open this week too? I believe that it does. I'm yes. uh, I'm I'm very um, Ben Affleck fan. Looking forward to that. I hope mm-hmm. it's good. I, I, I hope it's good. Yeah, I think that it's it's either going to be good or it's going to be really maudlin and self serious. Um, well, it's from and, um, what's the uh, the director's name? He did the accountant and um, a miracle. Uh, Gar- uh, 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 Garrett something. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking. Uh, at Gavin it. O'Connor. Gavin O'Connor. That's right. He also did. Uh, I believe he did uh, Warrior. Yes, yeah, Warrior, Miracle, and uh, the Accountant, which I actually liked. The Accountant. I remember it being being a lot of fun, especially uh, the John Barenthal part. But yeah, um, anything else opening? I can't remember. Um, maybe some stuff limited. I just I don't have it in front of me. But no, those are, those are the two big ones. No, nothing was really going to challenge Pixar. Yeah, I'm um, very curious about this Pixar film because it's. It seems it it feels very DreamWorks to me, from what I've seen. Yeah, um, I can see that. It has a big, it has a, a giant premise to overcome. That these are like uh, ogres. Did they make a? Did they make their parents crotch come back to life? <laughs> That's such a weird. Oh God, so weird. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob net. Find us on Twitter at cinesnob, Facebook cinesnob critic. Um, Cody, you're on Letterboxd. I am on Letterboxd. How's that I'm, going? Uh, so I'm caught up now. <laughs> I have watched uh, in in the um, in the uh, just counting 2020 releases. I am up to 25 movies damn, this year so cool. far. Um, yeah, uh, have you found it to be enjoyable keeping track of them, or is it getting to be the chore? Because we're we're in March no, now. It's, it, yeah, I mean, once we get to South by, that's the big problem area because you're, you know, you're watching twenty something movies in the span of a week, and some of them are embargoed, and you can't put your stuff up until they premiere, and that's where I always get messed Just up. Just wait so, until they cancel South uh, by. Oh, sh- yeah. The the the, yeah, the, the buzz is getting uh, bigger, by the way. Oh well, did you? I don't know if you've been checking the news just while we've been on the podcast about what's going on here. Yeah, they accidentally released someone that has coronavirus. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, I did see that. So this is going to be a fun panic. We're going to be in the uh, Yeah, I mean that's the the buzz here in Austin is it's getting um it's getting to be the point where people are might not want to come. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. Uh I'll be I'll be I'll be curious to see what happens in the next week or so as to whether or not South by goes on. It would be kind of unprecedented to cancel it or or even scale it back, but um uh, you know, this is this is making a lot of people very nervous. We we got an yeah. email at work about a, a musician who's very nervous to play there because of it. Um, yeah, and I, it'll be interesting to see if if any of like the talent starts dropping out, um, or shit, if even some people who have badges and stuff are like aren't from because I mean, there's like what four hundred thousand people who come every year from you know dozens of different countries. Like at some point the festival is going to have to be impacted just by the global nature of what the festival is. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's interesting because, uh, no one really knows what to do yet. Like there's people that they, they let somebody go. <laughs> they had the symptoms. It's like, Oh shit. Uh, from quarantine. Yeah. Who, who saw yeah. that coming? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so moving on from that, uh, you can catch my latest, uh, hard times article. Um, out right now. <laughs> Re- 
gaining a lot of traction. I've been seeing people uh, uh, share. Oh, it on really? My cool. Page. It's um, yeah. <laughs> it's about Rick Moranis and uh, how he's back, and I won't spoil it, the headline for you. But go look mm-hmm. that up. It's fun. It's it's the stupidest thing I've written ever. <laughs> the headline <laughs> that got picked up. Uh, my pitch got picked up. So it was um, yeah. Anyway, on that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viavania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.